Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Podcast, Paige DeMarcos, Jake Arian, Jamie Eisner, and we have a lot to talk about because there's been a trade in the NFL since our last podcast. There is a player that wants out of Jacksonville. There is a new quarterback starting for the New York Football Giants and Cam Newton's injury. Although Ron Rivera told us so many times on Thursday night that he is, did not have a foot injury, he does in fact have a foot injury. It does look like he's not going to be playing, and there is a lot to talk about here. So. Guys, let's get right into the headlines here. We're going to start off with the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Uh, happened very quickly, right? Uh, says he wants out. Miami is obviously in tank mode, which I have – I think we'll talk about a little on Friday. Um, I, I actually have reached out to a couple of players just to get their thoughts on tanking in the NFL uh, because I heard Sean O'Hara talk about it, and I, I think it's really interesting to hear what guys have to say. But Minka gets traded for Pittsburgh – uh, Pittsburgh's number one overall draft pick in this upcoming draft, right? Which is really interesting because the Pittsburgh Steelers are 0-2. Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season. And this this draft pick could end up being a very, very high draft pick, right? A lot of quarterbacks coming out of this class. The thought was maybe Pittsburgh would use that pick to get their quarterback of the future. Jake, what does it say that Pittsburgh was willing to part with their first-round draft pick um, for Minka Fitzpatrick in this trade? It says the Steelers are the Steelers, and the expectation is to win the division, go to the playoffs, and win the Super Bowl every year, regardless of who gets hurt, next man up, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it also says they really believe in Mason Rudolph as potentially the successor to Ben, or they really feel like Ben's going to come back next year and that Mason's good enough to carry them. They have now have eight or nine first-round picks on this defense. Um, this defense should be a lot better than that with that kind of talent. I dove in a little bit deeper on – on Minka Fitzpatrick, because I, I was on record saying he, uh, 40 teams ought to want him, including eight in the, in the, in the Canadian Football League. Yeah. Um, one of the issues there was he thinks he's an All-American corner still, and they were playing him more in the slot and playing zone because that's all they think he's capable of doing. I love the player. They check checks all the boxes. There's no red flags. There's no nothing. He's the perfect Pittsburgh Steeler. I think they'll use him very well up there, but he's really more of a slot guy than he is a corner or a safety which is where some of the teams backed off a little bit when they, when they looked at this. And one of the issues of Miami was they didn't think he could be a true corner and he couldn't be a true safety. He's very multiple, as I said, but he's a little bit of a tweener. And I think that was some of the issue with some of the teams. And I think Pittsburgh could end up reaching, if this is a top 10 pick, I think they're probably going to wish they had that back. If this is a normal Pittsburgh Steeler pick from 20 to 30, maybe not. But it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I didn't. I don't like the steal from the Pittsburgh perspective, and it's not that Mika Fitzpatrick can't play. It's that you have to protect yourself at some point, and the Steelers are are not protecting themselves in case Mason Rudolph is not the QB of the future. Yes. And that's my biggest concern here is I understand you, the Steelers. I understand you, you have this culture of winning. You ain't winning shit this year. 
No. Sorry. You're already 0-2. You have your backup quarterback. Your running back's hurt, but okay. But you're not winning this year. So you have to protect yourself just in case things bottom out. 100%. Just in case you have that cult season from right before Peyton Manning and right before Andrew Luck where things went out of control. You didn't know how they got there, and you had injuries to the quarterback position. You bottomed out, and you got your guy of the future. You have to protect yourself in case this was a top-five pick in a draft that has – two or three really strong QB options for you. But I, I get I get why you get him. At least if you're going to give up a first-round pick like this, you're going to get you get a damn good player in the process. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just To me, that was way too risky to make this trade if you're the Steelers because you're, you're going to burn the second of, of five years for Minka Fitzpatrick in a year you're not going to win. Yeah. So you basically you're saying you're going to get two years before he's going to ask for his next contract. And again, I'm not so certain Ben's going to walk on the field week one. Like yes, this, this Tommy like, John surgery is not a twelve is a sixteen plus month injury typically. Like I'm not. Again, you can come back sooner. Again, we thought you know Achilles are typically that long. ACLs are usually twelve months. We see guys come back sooner. It's not going to be a desire thing. I think for Ben, it's just can he come back healthy enough to lead in week one? I'm not. I don't think that's a guarantee like everybody else does. Yeah, different I, differing I, philosophies, right? We're talking about Miami tanking. That does that doesn't even enter the conscious mind of Steelers brass or the organization or the fan base. There is no okay, Ben's out. Let's let's stockpile our own draft picks and build for the future. That that doesn't even enter the the psyche of anyone in that in Western Pennsylvania, much less in the building for the Steelers, which could bite them here. I agree with you 100. percent I'm just saying from them, which I know very well. And Mike Tomlin's message is Ben's down. I don't care. Like whoever's next is playing. They better play to the Pittsburgh Steelers standard. And that's going to winning games. I agree with you. They're not very, haven't played very good. Ben's out. And it could end up being a top 10 pick. If that's the case, I don't agree with it at all. But that's just not how they look at it. It's the polar opposite of what we were talking about tanking in Miami. Yeah, it's interesting because I've, I don't think I can recall a trade being so – there are so many opinions and so differing on this, right? Because Jake knows Pittsburgh well, and I knew that he was going to say that. Listen, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh, and they think, like, they're not ready to be down and out. They know that they're 0-2, but it's next man up. You better be able to play, and we expect to win, and we don't care that we're 0-2. That's nice that you think that, but reality should set in where you realize this team is not going to compete this year, not in that division and and not without Ben Roethlisberger. And Ben Roethlisberger is going to be 38 in March, guys. Like he's not a young guy. And although Ben is a tough dude, we know that this is a very, very big injury to come back from. And we don't have a lot of history of watching this happen and having success to look at and go, Okay. Yes, we've seen twelve other quarterbacks come back and do this. We don't have that. Look, this this is simply this. This is a gamble on Mason Rudolph. Yes. Because if Mason Rudolph is the guy, and they're right, and by the way, you got to give credit to the people in the building that are watching this guy every single day. That they know more about the player than I do, exactly. and, I, and, I, and I fully acknowledge that. This is a gamble on Mason Rudolph. If Mason Rudolph is the next guy, you make a trade like this all day. Yep. You say, you know what? We don't care. You know, we, we don't think we're going to be a top five pick, but we think we're going to be picking, you know, 10 through 15, whatever. We have our quarterback. Then, okay, I get it. Yeah. But if you're wrong, we're going to look back on this and say you missed out on an opportunity to get the next guy to get the successor to Ben Roethlisberger to get you right back into Super Bowl contention with a young running back, a young star receiver, a young defensive core. You missed that opportunity because you were gambling on Mason Rudolph. So yeah. it, it's really all going to be about him. I, you know, I did really like what Mike Tomlin had to say, too, though. Sorry, cut, cut, cut you off there, Paige. Uh, they went to both Alabama Pro Days. They really did their due diligence. They loved the player coming out. They just knew they couldn't get him. 
So to get him now, he really fits the Steelers. There's no off the field check marks. There's no uh, big history of injury check marks. He's very multiple. He was very multiple at Alabama doing a lot of different things. And they go back from this. It's not really the, the three, four zone blitz Steelers anymore. They, they have some of that. But then they go to this Tampa 2 stuff. It's a weird thing of the old Dick LeBeau where Keith Butler comes from and then Mike Tomlin being a Tampa 2 Tony Dungy disciple that they go back and forth. And they're kind of messing themselves up by doing that. But that's one player that can go back and forth by playing zone, playing man. And he kind of does it the Steeler way where you don't have to worry about off the field issues and any kind of stuff. So I, I really liked what he had to say because he really fits their mold of stuff. So I, I give him a few more points for that. But I still think if this was going to be a top 10 pick, it's it's really, really tough to do. Yeah, I think, listen, there's two scenarios here. Ben comes back the beginning of next year and plays and is totally healthy. We look back on this and it's a great trade for them, right? Because Ben comes back and plays. Mason Rudolph potentially looks good enough that we're buying in enough to think that he could be there. I don't think it has anything to do with Ben. I think this is all about Mason Rudolph. Okay. Yeah, I don't don't think it has anything to do with Ben either because you're still talking about next year's draft pick. Yeah, because look, the reality is if my choice is getting three years of Minka Fitzpatrick or getting whoever the 15th overall pick is on defense. It's close. Like, again, you get two extra years. But, yeah, I think it's close. I think it's a deal that you say, okay, we know Mink is a, more of a proven commodity than somebody that hasn't yes. played a snap in the NFL. The issue to me is if that's a top 10 pick or if that's a top – heaven forbid, a top five pick, which, again, it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, 100%. I don't think they're going to be that in that territory, but they could. They're already two losses in. Then all of a sudden you're looking at did we set the franchise back by making this trade? Maybe Can we talk about the fact that there's now eight or nine first-round picks on this defense? They ought to be freaking dominant. you got to go back to the, the Steeler way. It kind of goes to that, too, which is they had defensive head coach, but they're not yeah, at no. all. No, they're not at all. They, they, if, they, if they have that many first-round picks like you're saying, Jake, you better be able to – got good running backs, you got a good offensive line, and you got a top-tier defense. Okay? We know what you need to be able to do yeah. and show it to us, right? Show it to us, show it to us in that division where that's what you are supposed to be able to do. We haven't seen that, but we haven't like, seen that since Dick LeBeau left. Yes. Like that's, that's the reality is, is, is this defense has not played. This defense overachieved the last few years of Dick LeBeau's tenure there as a DC. And they've probably underachieved a little bit when Mike Tomlin's had a much bigger role there. Just, it, it just, it is. You're exactly right. It has. Yep. Okay. Moving on here. The other the other big storyline in the NFL. There's a couple of big ones, but this one has to do with a potential trade. Jalen Ramsey uh, has said came out had a press conference yesterday. I thought he handled himself really well. I actually enjoyed it because he was refreshingly honest, right? Um, and, and and cursed. And I thought that part to me was was funny because I thought he was just speaking his mind, right? And also, he, imagine being offended by curse words. Yeah, I, in like 2019. Yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> I, I'm not going to speak on it too much, but ESPN reporters calling people immature for cursing. Like, have you been in a football locker room like ever, legitimately, or, or talk the, to a coach? Or, or be or, offended at how bad all of your shows are at this point. Not somebody cursing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, anyways, Jalen Ramsey wants out of Jacksonville, uh, and and there has been a lot of speculation about where he could end up, right? Jalen Ramsey is a top-tier cornerback in this league. Nobody's going to argue that. Uh, but he has some off-the-field issues, potentially, um, from a, from his teammates, right? There's no, there's never been a teammate that's come out or, or said anything negative about Jalen Ramsey. It's more so the the interview where he's talking smack about all the quarterbacks that put a target on that team's back last year, right. And showing up in a Brinks truck to training camp this year. It's, it's that is those antics, right. But we see those antics a lot from, especially from wide receivers and cornerbacks in this league. 
Uh, your thoughts, Jake, on on where Jalen Ramsey ends up and maybe where you think he ends up and where you want him to end up, right, if they differ. Yeah, we're in, a, we're in a really interesting time in the NFL right now where the brand is not the team. The brand is the players, and the players are doing everything they can to brand, the brand themselves. And I think it's going to bite a lot of them in the ass. And this is one that ran his mouth. It bit him in the ass big time. He's the best corner in football, period. He's the tallest, the longest, the fastest, the best man-to-man cover guy. I understand why he's upset. They're playing zone because their defense isn't as good as they want it to be, and he wants to be a shutdown corner. He's Patrick Peterson, but bigger, taller, faster, yeah. uh, and younger. Uh, the problem with the trade is what they want back, because if you just go demand the trade as Jalen Ramsey, that's fine. You can demand that. But Jacksonville has to get great compensation, and a one is not enough. They want two ones or a one and a starter. And whoever gets him, he's holding them captive moving forward for 17 to $20 million a year. He wants to be the highest paid corner in the league by far, hence the Brinks truck. <laughs> yeah. So you're, I mean, you're talking about quarterback money for a corner. So he's got to, in my opinion, he's got to go to a good team with a rookie quarterback contract and great cap space, i.e. Indianapolis. But they're in the division. Jacksonville's not trading him to Indianapolis. Houston, they're not trading. He's not trading in the division to Houston. Um, you got, for that kind of money, knowing you're going to have to sign him long-term, but they're just going to have him for two years. And if you think you're going to franchise him, he's going to hold out. Uh, I don't think there's near as many suitors as people think there are for this trade. It'll be really interesting to see where he ends up. I mean, my initial thoughts, like I said, are, are Indy and Houston because they have the cap space, but they're in the division. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, the other ones that have a lot of cap space are really for next year. I mean, you got to make his, his salary now available, and then moving forward, it'll be really, really interesting. I don't know who's going to give up two ones. That's insane. He's not a quarterback. The only time you ever do that is for a quarterback. A starter in a one may be on a decent team, but then that one is going to be 15-plus. I don't know the Jacksonville is going to want that, but they don't want him necessarily at this point right now. I'll tell you one thing about Doug Marone, too, who I love and respect a ton, and Tom Coughlin. Yeah. Ain't no shit being put up with. Like This this ain't going to fly because the branding of the player over the team and the franchise is not okay with them. It's, you got to play by the rules at a certain point. The shield is not ready, and I know I've seen it uh, a lot, the discussion happening across the board, right, where mm-hmm. – NBA players have a certain level of, of, you know, power in the NBA. Yeah, but the roster is 12 people, guys. Like, it's, it's much different in the NBA the way things operate. When there's 53-man roster, the way things happen, and it goes honestly into the tanking discussion even more so is, and I, I told you guys, Sean O'Hara brought it up. When you have guys that are playing for their next contract or their veterans, they're on a, they need to play for the now. They can't think about next year. They can't buy into the future. It's, a, it's, it's two different leagues. It's impossible to look at the NBA and go, okay, well, the NFL could just do the same thing. Well, it's also, as I brought up on our last show, again, I, I'm not trying to downplay the athleticism and the physical toll that you put on your body in the NBA. It's different in the NFL, period, end of story. Yes. It's a different physical toll. It's a different 100%. physical ass. We are not talking about can NBA guys walk and play and have functioning cognitive abilities with their kids later in life. Nobody has ever said that sentence about an NBA player ever. Okay. It's a different physical toll that you're asking for. So all the hits, all the head injuries, all the, all that stuff still matters. That still, that doesn't just not count for the Miami Dolphins players this year just because their team is not trying to win. Yep. Uh, So that, that, that's a difference too. Um, As far as where, like I have a dream scenario, which I think would be extremely interesting. And then, I kind of like a, a just to keep an eye on. Okay, let's hear him. Let's hear him. So the dream scenario would be the team that wanted that place he wanted to go, a team that wanted him. They can't do it because they have to. They still have two other guys they have to sign. And that's the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. 
and adding him as a quarter of that defense would be amazing. They can't yeah, do Dak's, it. Dak's killing that contract, and they're losing three guys on that defense as soon as Dak signs his deal anyway. And Cooper. So, like, yeah. that ain't happening. Yeah. Yeah, One to keep an eye on, and again, this is not inside information, just something that I would be very intrigued by. San Francisco. Hmm. They can, they can they get the out. Cap space. They, they do, though. They have $22 they do, million, yeah. and they can get out of Jimmy G's contract next year. And save $21 million of cap space. Interesting. So I'm just saying it's, it's that's an interesting something. one. Like of the, of the ones we haven't talked about, it's going to be hard to get this deal done because they want – Lynch is a gambler too. I love what John Lynch has done as the GM there, trading up oh. in drafts, moving around. That defense is pretty stacked. You add him to the other side of Richard Sherman, the problem oh. with that defense is they don't play man. Yeah. They, they are exclusively zone. They're not, they're not as much as they used to be just like Seattle but very similar. You know, the other one with dream scenario would be Kansas City. Because I don't think Patrick Mahomes gives that yeah. crap that much about this next giant contract to be the highest paid in, in the world and all that stuff. He does, of course, but he's more Tom Brady-minded of let's win. I'll take less. Let's structure this contract however is best. And they could make it happen while he's still on a rookie deal too. Yeah, he wants to win, and you could tell. And not only that, but uh, if you watch the NFL at all, you see that Patrick Mahomes is legitimately on every commercial. So I'm pretty sure he's making – he's like Tom Brady. He's going to make a lot of money off the field. He's definitely going to get paid. But it would be – that's my dream scenario. I would love to see Jalen in Kansas City. They desperately need somebody, a a, a top-tier playmaker on that defense, right? Yeah. And and it would be – for me, I, I enjoy watching that team. I would love to see Tyron Matthew with a guy like Jalen Ramsey. I think it would be – it would just be fun, right, to add to add to that defense and, and give them the ability to go up against, I don't know, the New England Patriots this year, right, in an AFC championship. He would make a monster, monster, monster difference on that team. I mean, that, that team would go from right there to it's playing theirs and the Cardinals for the last six years. That half that defense is shut down with Patrick. I mean, you know, it's half it's, the side of the field. It's the, you know, the difference better than anybody. And we do as well because we've watched Patrick Peterson. Having a guy like that shut down one side of the field makes a dramatic impact. Yeah, it, it just does. And having that guy in the Kansas City Chiefs would be a dream scenario for them. Uh, all right, let's talk about Daniel Jones. Guys, uh, Daniel Jones officially named the starter. Dave Gettleman's had the most interesting and quiet plan of all time. He has told us openly that there was a plan. That plan seems to have changed. Uh, it is now week three, and Daniel Jones will be the starter in New York with obviously no Golden Tate yet, Sterling Shepard being injured. They're still, uh, still in a non-contact jersey. Yeah, Corey Coleman's out for the injury. There's a lot, other than Saquon Barkley. Um, Benny and, Fowler show, part two. Yeah, th- there's a lot of injuries here. So I, I want to, there's been a lot of discussion about Eli and how how bad Eli's looked. But they, they haven't exactly had all of the tools to, to put this offense in a good position. So, Jake, my thought here and, and my what I want to hear from you is, is this a good time to bring Daniel Jones in as a rookie? Um, and then we'll talk about the fantasy impact. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Eli threw for 300 in week one with no picks and looked pretty good. I thought they so. went right, you know, went right down against a really good Cowboys defense. Not as good last week, but they had everybody hurt. I mean, I don't know how you necessarily think making the thing this, the, the move this week matters, other than if maybe you think it's a game you're going to win. Newsflash, Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians as head coaches against rookie quarterbacks are 9-0. Now, this, the stat that I saw in the, in the article said that's a small sample size. Not really. 9-0, and your first start is going to be against Todd Bowles' defense, which has looked spectacular the first two weeks. Uh, they completely shut down McCaffrey. Now, Saquon is leaps and bounds different and better than, than McCaffrey, but 
if it's all going to go through him and you, you're putting up seven and 14 points the first couple of weeks, I don't know how you think that you're going to go on the road and turn your season around when your defense is giving up 40. I don't know. I, I look, the kid looked great in the preseason. I, I'm on record for saying, look, you could talk about being sixth overall pick, which I still don't think he should have been because they could have got him later, but he looked phenomenal in the preseason. He was extremely accurate. He knew where to go with the ball. Cerebral. We know all that. He is more athletic. I don't know that that matters that much. He's not going to take off running. If he does, Eli's going to be playing again because he's going to get hurt. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, they're up against it. It had to happen sooner or later. I give them finally the credit had to have the balls to make the move because it should have happened for the last couple of years. But I told you, nobody, nobody put enough emphasis on how much power Eli has in New York and in that building. And it finally has come to an end. Yeah. They for now. Because if he gets hurt, he's going right back in. Yeah, for now. For now, and or if he goes out there and looks like Nathan Peterman, where you throw four picks in a first half, you might make the change back again. It'll be interesting to see. What they the can't. Play. They can't. You cannot go back to Eli unless he's hurt. This is not a we're going to bench the rookie and you're going to blow his psyche out of the water. If he's the franchise and you took him at six, so he is the franchise. There's no way, regardless of how bad it is, that you can go back to Eli Which without I- blowing, without completely blowing this kid up and blowing your future up at the same time. And he might go out and throw two picks in the first half this week against Todd Bowles' defense. He's going to disguise the hell out. He's never going to see coverages like he's seen right now, this week. There wasn't nothing like this in the preseason, I can promise you. That's why, that's why I think this timing is really interesting, right? It doesn't exactly set up because there is something to say about putting rookies in, the mentality, how that impacts their future. That's why I really question this timing, uh, especially, like you said, you can call it 9-0 and against rookie quarterbacks is not a small sample size. So I, I don't I, – I, this is a bad matchup for them. Uh, it's a bad matchup defensively with all those injuries and the issues they have on the offense. It's just bad timing, I think. And I, I guess there's not really a great time to do this. It just seems like maybe they could have waited a little longer. Jamie, let's talk about fantasy impact here in, in, in New York. What does this do for Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram and, and potentially Golden Tate when he comes back? Uh, nothing. Okay. Really? Um, I, I'm, I don't know what Daniel Jones is. He's an unknown commodity. I'm not ready to say that from a fantasy perspective, he's automatically going to be better than Eli. He should be at some point, but he's still a rookie quarterback that's being thrust into the, into the starting role here three weeks into the year. Uh, I, look, there's, there's really no actionable advice for me. Like, you're, there's never a scenario unless he, his, one of his legs gets chopped off that you're not playing Saquon Barkley. Yes. So there's really no even reason to talk about that any further. Golden Tate is going to be a, a flex play when he comes back. You know, as some, you know, you might have better options in certain weeks. He's going to be in that consideration. If you drafted Evan Ingram, you're starting him. I doubt you drafted Evan Ingram and Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz or somebody like that. So you're going to start him every week. He's still a guy you're starting over the Wallers and Walkers and Olsons of the world. So there's really no advice there. You're playing him. Uh, in a two QB league, obviously you've already probably, you probably put in your waiver claim for Daniel Jones because you have to pick up any starting quarterback in the, in those scenarios, but. We'll see. Uh, this had to be a move that was made eventually. Eli's been washed for a while. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't thrown down the field in more than a half a decade now. Um, and some of it they said is the offense, but I think some of it is just he can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, you know he had some plays to Odell back in the day, but still. Owen oh two six of the last seven years they've started. Yeah. Wow. And we're still talking about this seven years later they finally made the move. You know the other interesting part here. Sorry, Jamie. I'll let you finish up. Do you do it at home or do you do it on the road? This is the crazy thing with him because the New York media is crazy, right? And they are nuts. And when they drafted him six, oh, my God, this is the great, the worst thing that's ever happened. Fire, get him. And now and then he became the savior in the preseason. They all started calling for him. So is this move better to do at home? And he sucks in the first half and they go back to booing the hell out of him. It's worse than ever. Or do you do it on the road? And if he struggles, 
the media still gets a hold of it, but he didn't have to hear it from his own fan base, right? Like, this is a really interesting thing of, I'm thinking from a coach's point of view, when do we do this? Do we do it on the road and make it easier in a game that maybe we have a chance to win? Or do we do it at home and we let him get overly hyped by the crowd going crazy because it's not Eli? Like, this is a really, really interesting, weird situation. Normally, I would say on the road, but it's New York. I don't think it matters. Like the the press, the discussion, the TV shows, it's gonna be it's gonna be a cacophony. Yeah. Regardless, good, bad, or different, however he performs, it's gonna happen. Regardless. And there's gonna be Giants fans everywhere. Doesn't so, matter where they go. I just it, this was a weird decision to me. And again, I, I don't necessarily think it's the wrong decision. I just because you had to make this move at some point this year, it just was weird because there have been so many opportunities to Benji Eli for seven years now and it felt like this at this particular moment there was really nobody really just pushing no calling for it i man to get benched now it was going to happen eventually this year but it's kind of like a, oh okay i guess you're gonna do it now so i don't know to me that it was a little bit surprising i get you weren't gonna name him the starter for week one because that would have been a even if he won the job quote unquote won the job that was a disaster waiting for him to start week one so you can't do that but I don't know. It's fine. Like, I don't I don't think any different. The Giants aren't going to win any more games than they were previously because of this. Yeah. No. In this year. Yeah. I, I think this, this decision. He's still a rookie. It might cost him more games. Yeah. It, Which is probably good for the Giants. Yeah. So. It's pro- yeah. Probably good long term for this team to be in contention to get a, a high draft pick. It's just interesting timing. Obviously, we will monitor this from a fantasy perspective. It's hard to forecast what's going to happen here with Daniel Jones. We don't know who he has chemistry with yet, right? We don't know what that offense is going to look like. Well, when luckily, Golden... he gets to play with all the second stringers. Yeah, so. I was going to say, the, the other part of it is we don't really have much to show because the offense is not healthy right now. So there's a lot. This is going to take a while to figure out what we're going to get from this offense with the exception of, you know, Evan Ingram and, and Saquon Barkley. All right, guys, the other thing we got to talk about here is Cam Newton's injury, right? And, and this has been this is something this podcast, we spent a significant amount of time talking about how we were worried He's about hurt. Cam Newton going into this season, right? He's hurt. He's he, really hurt. Like, I mean, you, I don't know how you've – from about late – from about week 14 of last season to this, if you've watched Cam Newton play football, you cannot tell me that that's what Cam Newton is now. Like, no, he is not, hurt. Yeah, he does not look good at all. He doesn't – they don't call plays for him to run anymore, um, which if you've watched this Carolina team at all, you know that he has to do that for this team to be successful. That is just how he plays. And against Tampa, I mean, all credit to Todd Bowles because they – obviously that defense looked phenomenal. But Cam does not look right. He, he just does not. And and that is a, a serious problem for this team, obviously right now. And it's even more of a problem when you try and forecast from a fantasy perspective, what this team is going to look like going forward. So Jake, your thoughts on cam, what do you think is going to happen here long-term and, and what have you seen so far? Obviously you watched that game closely against Tampa. Call me a conspiracy theorist, but after the game, cam said that his foot is fine enough. Rivera said the foot is not an issue at all. What becomes interesting is after Rivera goes back and watches the film with the coaches, and they see that Cam Newton's leading the NFL in targets that were uncatchable. They realized that the quarterback that they have left is a shell of himself, and if he's ever going to have to be a drop-back passer, they're not winning any games. We've known that forever. Cam is not a traditional drop-back passer guy. He's got to move around, be Cam. The excitement is gone in Cam's eyes. You always got the head, you know, the head drooping, towel over the head, but then you always got the Superman along with it, right? The highs and the lows of Cam and the body language, you don't get any of the highs. All you see is disappointment and you can see the disappointment in himself. 
new throwing motion, two shoulder surgeries. I don't think the foot is that big of a deal, but I think the toll of all these hits and the way that he's played for these years is taken as big a toll on his body as anything else. He's just not the same guy. And they realize, I think, watching him the whole preseason, offseason, in these couple games, we're going to have to do something else here. We're going to have to move on. Maybe we bench him till he's healthy enough. And that's the excuse that we're not benching him. We're putting him on the shelf because the foot is hurt, right? We're going to go back to that excuse because it came out three or four days later. It didn't come out on Friday morning. It didn't come out Thursday night after the game. It didn't come out of the game. I, I just think they realize they've got some options here and they better put him on the bench now as the foot, not because they bench him later because he's been awful. Yeah, and when I say he's hurt, I'm not talking about the foot. I mean, I don't think that shoulder is right still. It's better than it was at the end of last year when he literally basically could not throw the football more than five yards down the field. But that shoulder's been a problem. I can't remember if I said this on the show or I said this off the show to you guys, but I texted you during that game and I went, the next surprise retirement in the NFL is going to be Cam Newton. I agree. And it's and it's for a lot of the same reasons that Jake said, is that the passion is gone. And I don't think that the passion for football is gone. I just think it's been beaten out of him. He's been hit hard a lot, and a lot of that is his own doing. That's his style of play and, and not protecting himself. That, and, but you know what? That's how he was successful. That's how he was successful at Auburn, and that's how he was successful for Carolina. Like, you have to understand that, you know. You, he plays football. Well, also, you look, you look up, and he's 30 now, and yeah. he's been taking all of those hits. And I know at that size you can absorb more hits than, let's say, if you're Kyler Murray. But it still takes a toll on you at some point. It took a toll on Andrew Luck. It's going to take a toll on Deshaun Watson. It took a, you know, I mean, guy, this, this happens. And I, I think this is the case where he was never fully healthy this offseason, but he had to come back and be the starter because we were still doing that on again, off again. Well, can't play the entire offseason. Like, he needs to take some time off and get hurt. I think, I think he and, and Ron, Ron Rivera is also coaching for his job here. And I think they both realize their window is closed. That defense is, is still solid, but it's not what it used to be. And transitioning. Right. And, and it's, it's like the beginning of the end. And I don't know if it's retirement, but he's made a ton of money. He won an MVP, won the Heisman Trophy, national championship. Like He doesn't really need to do anything else other than win a Super Bowl, and he got to one. Yeah. But he, he knows he's not getting back. Yeah. It'll be die for that fumble. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's a shame. I mean, it's just another one of these guys this year where you're starting to see – the beginning of the end of like the next wave of quarterbacks coming in. And these, these guys that have been there for a while doing this thing are, are falling by the wayside. Jake, here's something I just thought about. I want to get your opinion on it. We've talked a lot about the shortage of quality offensive linemen in the NFL. And we've talked about how the issue goes back to how they play college ball, all of that. I think we're also going to see a result of that is a shortened shelf life for all of these quarterbacks. I don't think it's a coincidence that, we're going to start to see a rash of these quarterbacks leaving the game three, four, five years earlier than what their previous generation has been. As we start to see deteriorating offensive line play, as we start to see more read option, and we start to see more quarterbacks taking hits, let's say unnecessary hits outside of the pocket. I think all of this is coming together, and I think we're going to see a shortened window. It's start, you know, we we always saw guys like the. The, uh, the David cars of the world that just got hit so much early in their career they just they couldn't sustain it long term. But I think we're going to start to see this now. And I think Andrew Luck is probably just the first domino to fall in this. And I think we're going to see – it's probably going to be five, six, seven, eight years down the line. But we might see the Cam Newtons, the Deshaun Watsons, the other quarterbacks of this caliber, maybe even the Baker Mayfields, not have these 15, 16, 17-year careers just because they're not protected like some of these quarterbacks from 10 or 15 years ago were. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's an interesting, interesting scenario. I mean, you have the if, as, as the NFL starts to do this dual threat quarterback that high schools are now preparing colleges for, and you got guys that can run. I, I, I don't, I don't think there can be 15, 16 year careers. Deshaun, there's no way Deshaun Watson's playing that long. He had ACL coming into the into the league, and at Clemson had another one when he got there. He's getting just destroyed, and he's not six five, two fifty. I watched it firsthand. My dad was running back coach for Christian Okoye. There was nobody more dominant in the NFL in 90, 91, 92 than Christian Okoye, but it was a three or four year span where those big old thighs were taking shots after shots after shots. And sooner or later, those Charlie horses never went away and he just couldn't do it anymore to the level that made him dominant. It's, you know, I saw it then firsthand, but I've watched it for all these years since, you know, Patrick Mahomes is not a dual threat guy. He's an athletic enough guy to move around in the pocket and get rid of the ball. It doesn't take a lot of shots. No. Uh, it sends a lot of plays. Andrew was really, really, poorly protected by his general manager. It was last year where he finally played behind a good offensive line. If you play behind that, I think Andrew plays for a lot longer than that. But yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you there. I mean, I don't think these guys can play that long when you're risking getting hit. I, I, Kyler Murray hasn't been hit yet, but he also hasn't run. He hasn't gotten the edge one time. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Michael Vick. He's quick, but I don't think the speed to get to the edge is really there. And if he does and start doing that, and he starts taking some shots, it's going to put him on a shelf life that's a lot shorter as well. Yeah, the all these teams that have these guys, right, specifically Houston, you better pay attention to what is happening and the trend in the NFL here because you better protect your guy if you want him there and you want him to be the quarterback for for the long for a long period of time because they can't cannot withstand this and Cam is much much bigger, much stronger than a lot of the guys we're talking about and that it, it, Deshaun Watson cannot do it long term. Period. So you better figure it out. Uh, okay, guys, I'm going to read you this headline, uh, the last thing we're going to react to. Philadelphia Eagles call off full practice due to rash of injuries, okay? They called off a full practice today because they have nine guys that left the game. They're two starting – they have Deshaun Jackson out with a groin injury, Alshon Jeffrey out with a calf injury. They, they suffered a lot of injuries in that Sunday night football game against Atlanta, uh, enough so that they actually called off a full practice. So – Guys, when we're looking at this team coming into this week, how are you assessing Carson Wentz without a couple of his, you know, top tier guys? Uh, obviously, with with so many injuries on this team, Jake scares the hell out of me. I own him in both leagues. I was I went all in on Carson Wentz because they have enough weapons to get by, but not when every single one of them goes down. Uh, I traded Philip Rivers in one league for David Montgomery, and I picked up Josh Allen, which I'm considering playing over Carson Wentz this week. And I got Tom Brady in the other one, so I'm lucky. I'll definitely switch that out. But he was still pretty successful in the second half of that game without all those guys in there. But as another guy you're talking about with a shortened shelf life of a career because of the way he plays. He extends plays and gets hit all the time. I don't know that he's right. To go from a Wednesday practice where you normally put pads on to we're going to call it off and do a walkthrough basically – that is one beat up team. Yeah. Beat up. I mean, that is, I don't even think I've ever heard of that. Yeah. To go from a full practice. I mean, some, you just take the pads off and you go in shorts and you still move the legs. I mean, I think it sounds like they went to a walkthrough practice more than in anything else. Yeah. Definitely not a full regular practice. So I think Wentz will be okay because he makes a lot of plays, but it scares the hell out of me. I mean, there's a, that's a lot of guys. I mean, it sounds like Jeffrey's out, Deshaun uh, Jackson's out. Aguilar's just okay anyway, but he went out and came back in. I don't know. I, it'd be really interesting. I, I, I don't, you know, they got some injuries on defense. Defense hasn't looked great. This team's got some serious things to overcome early in the season. 
Yeah, I, I have Carson Wentz at number nine for quarterbacks this week. I moved him down. I had him in the you know in five six range. Uh, look, I'm not expecting Deshaun Jackson to play. I don't. I'm also not expecting Alshon Jeffrey to play, but he has a better chance, I think, than Deshaun to play yes. this week. Uh, so it's basically going to be a compliment of what Mac Hollins, Nelson Aguilar, and JJ Arcega Whiteside. Uh, I, I mean, Zach Ertz is still there. Goddard's been banged up too, so that that's a lot of pass catching options banged up there. So maybe Darren Sproles will get like ten targets or something weird. Uh, but to me, I think, uh, I'm intrigued enough by Aguilar for this week, just because he's still going to be the slot guy. He's the guy that Carson Wentz is going to be the most familiar with of the group. You know, Arcega Whiteside played like 95% of the snaps once, uh, Alshon Jeffrey went out in that game. He's going to get a bigger role this week. Kind of wait and see mode. You might want to pick him up, but that's one of those like week in advance pickups. Like he could be a guy that gets highly picked up next week. But, uh, I mean, luckily it's a whole game against Detroit. So I, I think they should be able to, even as banged up as they are, be able to escape with a victory there against the quote unquote undefeated Detroit Lions. Oh. Um, but oh. uh, <laughs> oh, well, well. I, I can't, I can't do it with them being shown with everybody else. But whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not looking great. Look, the Eagles. We talked about this a lot in the AFC West. It matters here too. So a really good football team in the NFC East, which is probably going to be the Eagles right now, is going to have to go on the road throughout the postseason. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those two teams has to go on the road for a long time. And if you talk about trying to win a Super Bowl, I think the biggest difference in the NFC East and the AFC West is whether they win the division or they're going to have to play three road games to get there. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's go. I got five waiver guys. I want to go through these quickly. Just give me a yes or no on whether or not you are thinking that these are the type of guys that you buy into picking up for your team going forward. Uh, first guy we're going to talk about here is Raheem Mostert. Do uh, you guys, yes or no here, uh, Jake? Yeah, he he, uh, he out-touched Brita last week. I think some of that was the, the flow of the game. I think Brita is uh, the starter and the guy, but he looked really good, looked really explosive. He's bigger. I think he might be the best overall back of the, the ones they have And when Tevin Coleman comes back. Uh, the only issue there is Jeff Wilson's basically been named the red zone running back, um, the, the goal line guy, and you're still in a really split carry backfield where Breed is the starter. So, yes, I'm buying, but only in a flex play in deeper leagues if he's available. Yeah, I'm by picking him up. I picked him up actually last week, but he's still available in 89% of leagues. Uh, yes, he's the number two there, but – Kyle Shanahan's going to mix and match his running backs. He did it last year. He's going to do it this year. Matt Breida hasn't exactly been a pillar of health either. Um, yes, Jeff Wilson's going to get some carries too, but I think he's definitely somebody you should add to your bench. All right. Jalen Samuels, uh, obviously, with with potentially injuries, obviously with James Conner. Uh, your thoughts, Jake, yes or no on Jalen Samuels? Well, we knew they wanted to you know, implement him into the offense more this year anyway. And I said early when we did the Steelers stuff that I think he's going to eat into James Conner's time. Connor's now dealing with a toe. He doesn't look like the same guy as early last season. He looks like the guy towards the end of last season that really fell off. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if, if you're if you're hurting for a flex play, I, I like it. I, mean, I, I think there's definitely in the deeper leagues the opportunity to pick him up and play him. Yes, kind of. Uh, I wouldn't spend too much fab on him. If you can get him for like a dollar or free or something, but I, I don't think he's going to – unless Connor's actually going to be ruled out for any of these games, which he's not for this week, uh, I, I don't want him. Okay. Wide receiver Demarcus Robinson, the number one uh, most picked up guy on waivers thus far, uh, obviously after a huge performance in Kansas City. Your thoughts, Jake, yes or no? Well, Jamie had the right team, just the wrong guy. Well, the number one waiver wire pickup this week. Uh, yeah, I said it the other day. I mean, I, I like it. He looked really good to me to the point where I was like, who is this dude? Like, I'd never really heard of him, knew who he, who he was, where he's from, all that kind of stuff. He looked good. 
And if you're going to take away the number one option, which is now Sammy Watkins, the two and the three option that offense are going to eat because you can't cover them all. So I, I think anytime that you know that they're going to be throwing it with the best quarterback in the game 40 plus times, I think he's absolute pickup flex play. Yeah, pick him up. Uh, his role is safer too when Tyreek Hill comes back. He'll, he's going to be the number three there regardless. Uh, his role is safe. So uh, I would definitely pick him up over like the Miko Hardmans of the world. Okay. Uh, DJ Chark. I know, Jamie, we talked a little bit about him on Monday's podcast. Uh, Jake, your thoughts, yes or no? Yeah, I picked him up last week and played him in our TDN league and got me 15 points and was really, really good in our second flex play. Our league's a little different having two flexes, which gets really, really interesting because in a 14-man league, whoever you're playing there is really, really tough. Uh, I like him. He's probable now to play Thursday night. If it was a regular Sunday game, he'd definitely be playing. He's explosive. Great run after the catch. Tall guy. And he looks like he's got some chemistry with Minshew. I think he's kind of the clear-cut number one there. So I'm an absolute pick him up. Yep, he's on my list as well. Definitely pick him up. Caught both his touchdowns in week one and week two from Gardner Minshew. He looks like the guy there over D.D. Westbrook. Uh, available in almost 80% of leagues. Yeah, available. I was going to say I knew he was available in quite a, a, quite a bit of league. All right, last one here. Uh, wide receiver in Pittsburgh, James Washington. Jake, your thoughts, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, I'm still high on him. I mean, I, he, you know, he goes back to playing co- college football with Rudolph. They played together at Oklahoma State. Uh, there should be some chemistry there. At least a lot of people are banking on that anyway. But he's still the number two target in that offense. They're still going to have to throw it a bunch. They're not going to be able to just go, we're going to run the ball and play better defense and change the, their philosophy of what they're going to do. So, yeah, I think he's definitely not a wide receiver too, but he's definitely a flex play. I think, you know, in some of these deeper leagues like we're talking about, and you're looking for a guy that can get – eight to 12 points. I think that he should be in that range every week. I think he's worth adding, but as a guy on your bench, I'm not, I wouldn't drop anybody of significance for him. I don't think you don't want, I don't think you want too many shares of the Steeler offense going forward. I know there's that college connection, but I need to see James Washington do the things that everybody talks about James Washington doing before I buy him. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. A bench guy uh, wouldn't, wouldn't feel, uh, you know, overly uncomfortable having him there, but got to see, got to see what Mason Rudolph and company do there in Pittsburgh. Jamie, I know you got one more. Here. One more I'd really like to add. Uh, he's, he's available in 81.7% of weeks or leagues right now. That's Randall Cobb. Michael yeah. Gallup's not going to play this week. Uh, Randall Cobb's got nine catches, 11 targets in the first two weeks. Uh, I'm actually, I think I picked him up in, in our league and I'm going to play him in that second flex spot this week. I think he's a really strong flex play this week. Yeah. And probably worthy of being on your bench even when Michael Gallup's in the lineup. I was going to say, I picked him up in, the other, in one of my other leagues uh, last week because I like him just going forward as as somebody who's shown that he will be part of the offense. Um, and, and I think he could be a guy where I'm going to mix and match my flex plays going forward. Um, and depending on what injuries happen, he might end up in my lineup more often than not. Uh, I really like him moving forward when they start playing better teams. Yeah. When they get when they start playing teams that can get to the quarterback, the slot guy and the hot re- receiver in a blitz pickup and a veteran guy that's great right after the catch, I think he's going to be Dak's best friend. And he's, he's playing the Cole Beasley role, but he's a lot better player than Cole Beasley. And the run after the catch when he's healthy and he is right now is really, really high. So I think when they start getting into the, the meat of this schedule when they're playing better teams, I think his value is even more. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh <laughs> Cole Beasley role, but a much better athlete than uh, than Cole Beasley. All right, uh, Thursday night football, the the game that we get every year. It happens every year on Thursday the, night. God awful yeah, uniforms, and, and always in some horrendous looking uniforms. The Tennessee Titans going on the road in the division to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The the added bit of interest this week, obviously, is all this Jalen Ramsey talk, right? It, it's good for the league that this is going on this week while their primetime matchup is what usually does not garner a lot of attention. Um, the Titans are a two-point favorite going on the road to play the Jaguars. Your pick in this game, Jake? 
I'm taking Tennessee 21-17. They should have won the game last week at home against Indy. Indy made enough plays to win it. Uh, I would not play any Tennessee receiver this week because I'm going to tell you right now, Jalen Ramsey is going to play and he's going to go off. He is going to be shut down, talking smack, throwing his hands everywhere, which is going to give this defense energy. I think it's going to be a really, really close game. I just think Tennessee's defense against a rookie quarterback, and we've talked about exotics, not even the word for the stuff that Vrabel's doing from play to play, even on a short week on the road, I think they go down there and get it done. I think that defense is the the difference. I agree. I'll take the Titans in this game as well. I'm actually picked up and starting the Titans defense in the TDN league. Uh, Both defenses are very playable. Both running backs are very playable. And that is it. Yeah, it's it's not too much to like from a fantasy perspective in, 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 on either one of these teams. Derrick Henry has been uh, a bit of a bright spot for Tennessee, but those wide receivers have not looked very good. Um, I like that play defensively for you, Jamie. I think that's probably the biggest fantasy pickup uh, from this overall game. I'm also going to pick Tennessee to take care of business uh, and cover that spread. Uh, last thing we're doing here, guys, is we're going to revisit the poll we put up on Monday, uh, and then I'm going to tease the new poll that we're going to put up today on the TDN Fantasy uh, Twitter account. You can find that at TDN Fantasy underscore. Our poll that we put up on Monday was, who is the best team in the NFL? And in a landslide, 57% uh, was the New England Patriots. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs following up at 21%, other at 15%, and 7% for the Dallas Cowboys. The thing that I know about Dallas is, right, as much as many people hate the Patriots, there are so many people that responded to this poll saying, take Dallas off of this. Listen, Dallas has looked like they deserve to be on this list. Uh, I hate the Dallas Cowboys just as much as everybody else does, but I found it very funny that the, the, the hatred for that Dallas Cowboys team, although they haven't been the winning team like the Patriots, is still alive and well in the NFL. I love that. I love seeing that vitriol. The Cowboys are good. And if they they're the can, best team in the NFC, I, I give me another team right now that you think that, that's, that's exactly my point, Jamie. We were coming up with this, this list and I'm like, we got to throw an NFC team in there. Who has been the most consistent, the most dominant, who's looked the best Dallas. It ain't the Rams yet. The Vikings were, and then they blew up like the Packers aren't there. Who who else? Like they they look by far the best in the NFC. Somebody has to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and look, I know the Cowboys haven't played anybody, and they're not playing anybody this week. But the question with Dallas was not that; it was just whether or not Zeke would play. Like that that was really the only question we had about them coming in. And that defense- not to mention, we love what Kellen Moore's done. This offense looks phenomenal. Dak looks like he's taken another step as a passer. They haven't had to even rely on Zeke yet. The other, the other part of this is in that division, right, a lot of people liked Philadelphia going in. And I thought because of the injury injury history with Carson Wentz, and I know we all talked about it, that, yeah, we like them, but we got to see what this looks like, right? Because they, we haven't seen that MVP Carson Wentz in a while. Uh, it's been a full season, obviously, last year. We've that, All that Nick Foles stuff and all that garbage is behind them. But we all like Dallas with Zeke in this division, and I think that is proving to be true. Uh, and the fact that Dak Prescott is playing for his money it doesn't hurt the team, right? I mean, Dallas, you're probably seeing the best version of Dak that you've seen. I know they haven't played anybody yet, but they deserve to be in that list. They deserve to be in this category. Trust me, it pains me to put them in there. I would love to keep them off, but they The question was after two weeks. Yes. I picked Philly to win the division, but they got to get healthy to even compete with Dallas. We'll see what happens later on. The question was after two weeks – and Dallas has looked phenomenal. They have. They no, have. they haven't played anybody, but it was after two weeks. Listen. Neither of the freaking Patriots, by the way, and they don't play anybody this week. How do you win the Super Bowl and have that damn schedule? I was going to say. Uh, and- Get at me with the best team in the league is the Patriots when Alabama could have kicked the shit out of the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. It, it's, it's hard to justify the 
oh, you have to play somebody when right now in the NFL, the two worst teams in the NFL play in the same division as the New England Patriots, the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. And it's it's because of obviously for an injury, which is not an injury, but a, a sickness for Sam Darnold, Trevor Simeon gets injured and now they are starting a third string quarterback. Uh, lots of issues. Adam Gase is showing everything, Jamie, that we thought we would see, which is Oh my God, their offense is awful to watch. Uh, and it doesn't hurt, obviously hurts them that Sam Darnold is not there. The poll that we are at, that we are putting up today is where will Jalen Ramsey end up? I haven't decided on the teams yet. I'm going to go look at the odds in Vegas to figure out which teams I'm going to put on there. And it'll be the, the most likely. I know that I'm going to, cont- I know I will put Jacksonville, him staying there as an option because I do think that everybody out there thinks that there's a much bigger market. And Jake brought up a lot of good reasons as to why it may be not as big as everybody thinks. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Uh, Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Jake Arians on Instagram. I got a couple notes for you here. There's some things we warned you about and some things I'm going to say, pump your brakes and relax, people. Andy Dalton, second in the NFL right now in passing. Okay, Dak Prescott, third. Josh Jacobs, fourth in the NFL in rushing. And Carlos Hyde is fifth. All right, the receivers are even crazier. John Ross, Sammy Watkins, Hollywood Brown, OBJ, and Gallup are your top five. So if you took a lot of these stars, relax. It's been two weeks. I'm seeing some of the craziest stuff floating around out there in some of these leagues, people trying to trade McCaffrey and get rid of Julio Jones. Michael Thomas is no longer going to relax. Pump your brakes. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks, and if you're trying to trade Christian McCaffrey or uh, Julio Jones, please feel free to drop me a line on Twitter. I'd love to join your league. Uh, because I can't imagine that that is a thing that you would think about doing uh, in real life. Uh, Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner FFB on Instagram. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow this podcast at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram at TDN Fantasy, and you should read all the content on thedraftnetwork.com. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.